North Omaha History Podcast made possible by our patrons, Jay Hanna, Wanda Lewis, Ian Schneider, Lori Schwartz, Christine Gerber, Jody Lavallo, Jim Collison, Abby Hightoff, and the Great Plains Black History Museum, open Thursday through Saturday from 1 to 5 at 24th and Grant. Please go to patreon.com slash Omaha and become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. We'll give you a free gift. Welcome to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Each week, Adam takes you on a guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. Nestled between the Miller Park neighborhood and Sorensen Parkway is a 150-year-old institution that's been a powerhouse, a prison, a balloon school, and neglected surplus. But at one time, it was the main destination for all troops and stores for the western side of the Missouri River. Tell us about Fort Omaha, Adam. There's this romantic image of, you know, the the U.S. Army troops riding gallantly across the Great Plains as they head out to the forts that are spread around the western United States. Fort Robinson and Fort Laramie, all the way out to Fort Walla Walla and to the West Coast. As they galloped along, they took over the hills and they marauded the Indians and did all kinds of things. Well, the reality is that Fort Omaha had very little to do with any of that. In truth, Fort Omaha was simply a supply and staging area uh, for putting together the resources that went out to those forts and that those U.S. Army troops took with them as they uh, basically committed genocide on the Native American tribes across the Western United States. But that said, uh, that was the very beginning. In the 1850s, when Omaha was first settled, you know, the city was pining to be something important from the day that it was born. The Council Bluffs real estate moguls that hedged in on the city, they made sure that the United States government knew about the resources that they had right there in Omaha City. And in 1862, just eight years after Omaha was founded, uh, Omaha was designated the headquarters for the military district of the Nebraska Territory. At that point in 1862, the Nebraska Territory went all the way from Kansas up to the Canadian border from the Missouri River way west out into kind of some undetermined point where the Oregon Territory began. And that region was all controlled from Omaha City. In 1866, just a couple years after the headquarters were started there, Omaha was made the headquarters for the U.S. Army Department of the Platte. And that meant that instead of just controlling the entire territory, they were responsible for ensuring that the Platte River travelers were safe along their journey and that the Department of the Platte, which covered the entire Nebraska territory and a little bit more, that the Department of the Platte was effective in its supply requisition and distribution processes to support the Army as they went about their way. What that meant is that they were protecting the Oregon Trail, as well as more than a half dozen other trails that headed west from Omaha and other points along the river as they went, as the settlers went west from there. Uh, They were also responsible for a lot of Indian massacres, for a lot of slaughters of the native tribes and places that they had occupied for centuries and a millennia. But regardless, uh, the fort went on and it grew so early on, the fort was down um, by about 16th and Cass Streets, uh, what we understand as kind of that downtown Omaha area, the north downtown Omaha area now. 
Uh, it was down by where the Union Pacific Railroad shops were, kind of that little area. And that was built as kind of a temporary facility. And in 1868, a permanent facility was established at North 30th and Fort Streets. Of course, neither of those streets were named those things at that point. They were just Florence Road and some county road that intersected it. Augustus Kuntz, the great banking tycoon in Omaha at that point, who helped found the Nebraska National Bank, uh, Augustus Kuntz, he sold the federal government his land that was right there, uh, made them a deal that they couldn't refuse, and they started building on that almost immediately. It was originally called the Sherman Barracks when it was there in 30th and Fort. Uh, the Sherman Barracks were named after the great Civil War general, but he didn't want that named after him. And so it became Fort Omaha or Omaha Barracks soon after that. In 1869, they built more than two dozen buildings across the land. But the thing is, is that when they first built them, they built them out of wood. So you had these big wood frame officers' houses. You had these big wood frame barracks for the enlisted troops. You had big wood frame commissary and all these different kinds of elements of the forts at that point. There was never a stockade around Fort Omaha. There was never a gigantic towers to look out for Indian raiders. That just wasn't a thing. Uh, because even though it was on a wide open exposed plain, they didn't really anticipate ever being attacked. And Fort Omaha was never attacked in its entire history from 1868 onwards. However, it changed and the fort took on different meanings and had all kinds of different roles and purposes. In the 1870s, um, General Crook, who was a famous, uh, he was famous for being a general of the U.S. Army as it marauded these U.S. Army troops across the West and, and went after native tribes that wouldn't uh, sign treaties with the United States government or that had broken treaties. Well, Crook had a uh, plan to make Fort Omaha more permanent. So he started replacing the wooden buildings with brick buildings. And this is an important thing because I'm going to mention it again when we get to about 1900. But remember that Crook started replacing the wooden buildings with brick buildings about 1878. His house was built in 1879. You can still see it today as the uh, home of the Douglas County Historical Society and their beautiful archives are next door. They've renovated the Crook house to make it period relevant. Uh, so it looks like General Crook would have lived there. Uh, and it's just a beautiful place, but it's still standing. The year after, the year that his house was finished, was also the year of the trial of Standing Bear. Standing Bear versus General Crook at Fort Omaha. Standing Bear was the leader or a leader of the Ponca tribe that had lived up in northeast Nebraska for hundreds of years. Uh, when they were ordered to move to Oklahoma as part of the purge of native tribes from Nebraska, Standing Bear took his band down to Oklahoma, got there and discovered that the United States government had given them a big piece of junky land. It wasn't worth growing things on. It didn't look like their native homeland like they were promised. And it basically wasn't a place that his tribe could survive. So that year in 1879, uh, unfortunately, Standing Bear's son died early, died young as part of the result of living on this crappy land. So Standing Bear took a troop of his people um, and left the Oklahoma reservation to come back to their tribal area by the Niobrara River. And they were going to bury his son and reoccupy the lands that they were from. When they got there, uh, they were confronted by U.S. Army troops who arrested them and brought them to Fort Omaha to hold them for trial. And basically this trial 
uh, was set up by the U.S. government in order to indict Standing Bear of not following the treaty that his people had signed. Standing Bear made impassioned pleas, and along with him, there were other people who were advocating for him. A.J. Poppleton, one of the early founding fathers of Omaha, was involved in the trial. And there were other famous names, including the Tibbles. Uh, Mr. Tibbles was a journalist for the Omaha World Herald who made his fame from reporting on the trial. And his wife, Susan LePiquette Tibbles, uh, she was a she became the first ever uh, Native American female doctor in the United States. Um, and she was involved in the trial to some respect, too. She was an Omaha, not a punka, but still uh, tied together and uh, was of assistance to Standing Bear during the trial. Anyhow, as it went along, Standing Bear won the trial. And for the first time ever, uh, the United States government recognized Native Americans as human beings, which they had not done before that point. So it was a remarkable civil rights win as well as being a substantial legal effort as well. And the history of Fort Omaha went on from there. You can still see the um, place where the uh, Standing Bear and his troop were locked up and, and his people were locked up there at Fort Omaha. That building still stands today as the guardhouse at Fort Omaha. A lot of things uh, went on from there. But in 1896, the United States government declared Fort Omaha surplus property. They abandoned it. They just left it. They shut the gates and they walked away. By this point, Fort Omaha had these uh, kind of brick and iron gates around it. And uh, they just locked them up. They walked away. But in 1907, within a decade, the Army established a training program at Fort Omaha for these this new technology that was called dirigibles. Uh, dirigibles were helium-powered balloons uh, that lifted the balloons up into the air. This is before hot air balloons. And these Helium power balloons lifted the soldiers up into the air, and the U.S. Army Signal Corps ended up using these balloons to help their war process along. That was in 1907. Within just a couple of years, though, they actually closed down the dirigible training program, and they opened up a hot air balloon training program. So Fort Omaha was hopping with these uh, uh, aircraft as they began this new technology in the U.S. Army. There were other uh, balloon bases around the United States zone. Eventually, the uh, Signal Corps school left Fort Omaha right as the U.S. Army began opening up and getting ready for World War I. And in 1917, when the U.S. entered World War I, they brought the U.S. Army Air Service, uh, the balloon and airship division, to Fort Omaha to run it from there. Fort Omaha opened up right away a new piece that was just north, 119 more acres added to their land. It was called Florence Field, and they ran balloon training school out of Florence Field. Today, that area is all houses, and it cuts across 30th Street, and it's, it's its own neighborhood. But at that point in 1917, there were barracks, there was a gate, there was fencing all around the entire thing, and Florence Field was important. But in 19, well, in the World War I ended in, war, in 1918, and in 1919, Fort Omaha was declared surplus property and abandoned again. By 21, the U.S. Army had moved all of the balloon operations out of Fort Omaha, and the place sat empty again. In 1935, there was a supply group, uh, the, the U.S. Army 7th Corps, and that moved their area headquarters into Fort Omaha. And in 1941, when the U.S. entered World War I, 
the US, the U.S. Army 7th Service Command actually used Fort Omaha as a service facility, as a support facility for its troops as they headed out into battle. So it became important again, and uh, it developed a real reputation for being useful uh, to that respect. During World War II, there were actually Italian soldiers that were brought to Fort Omaha and um, used as labor there. They were used as labor all around the northern part of Omaha. And uh, so essentially, there was a short period of time during World War II where Fort Omaha served as a prisoner of war camp. But in 45, um, the war ended and those Italian soldiers were sent back and repatriated to their own land. And in 46, Fort Omaha was declared surplus yet again and abandoned once more. It sat hollow for about nine or ten months before the U.S. Navy took control of the fort and made it into a reserve training center. That's right, the Navy had a base in Omaha, Nebraska, a huge base with all of these buildings. Uh, and in 47, they designated the fort as a Navy and Marine Corps Reserve Center uh, with troops and sailors coming from all over the country to uh, learn and practice and train right there in North Omaha. In 51, uh, the U.S. Navy made Fort Omaha into the U.S. Naval Personnel Center. Uh, and that lasted for more than 20 years until 1974 when guess what happened again, Steve? They declared it surplus. And they abandoned the property yet again. This was incredible. More than four times Fort Omaha has been abandoned and declared surplus property by the U.S. government. But in 1975, that all changed for the last time, hopefully. There was an upstart organization called the Metropolitan Technical and Community College uh, that eventually became known as Metro Community College and today Metro College or Metro Tech. There's lots of things that people call it. But they moved into Fort Omaha in 1975 and signed an agreement with the U.S. government. Simultaneously, they applied to put almost all of the old buildings on, in Fort Omaha, have them listed on the National Register of Historic Places. Simultaneously, the Douglas County Historical Society took control of General Crook's house. So all of these great things happened at Fort Omaha in a really short period of time uh, that protected it, hopefully in perpetuity. Uh, today, Metro has put a lot more money and a lot more resources into Fort Omaha to ensure its long-term use and relevance. And uh, it's a beautiful campus. It's filled with all kinds of wonderful new buildings as well as old ones without losing a lot of the architectural and historical credibility and significance of the campus. The only misstep they might have taken in the last decade was building a ridiculous-looking sandstone pavilion. It's a little gazebo on the corner of the parade ground. That, that should be rebuilt in brick or in wood the way that they would have had it at Fort Omaha in the olden days. But other than that, the new buildings, they tie right in. They give it a modern, old-fashioned look. They've repurposed the mule barn from the 1920s, and it is gorgeous on the inside, as well as a lot of the other buildings. And they continue to take care of the buildings and restore them both to their historical significance, but also maintaining their usefulness into the future. Now, those wooden buildings that were built way back in 1869, they sound like relics. You know, when we look across the landscape of Omaha today, it's hard to find a building from the pioneer history of Omaha. But one still exists, and it was from Fort Omaha, and it was built in 1869, Steve. 
It's located today at 6327 Florence Boulevard, where it was moved to in 1900. Uh, that year, the a couple of crazy guys who own this greenhouse across the street there on Florence Boulevard, they moved the house from the fort all the way over to the boulevard, and they just kind of blended it in. It looks like an old farmhouse. It's not super distinct, but it's really different from every other building along the boulevard, so I guess it's a little distinct. But if you want to see a piece of pioneer history from Fort Omaha in, in Omaha today, Go to 6327 Florence Boulevard, stand out there on the sidewalk and take a look in and you will witness exactly what the fort looked like way back when. That is an awesome piece of North Omaha history. Hard at work still today. That's a little bit about the history of Fort Omaha, but I'll tell you this other piece before uh, we end this podcast, Steve. I have on the North Omaha History website, a historical tour that's unlike any other that's available today. It's only in the booklet that I wrote about the history of Fort Omaha. And this booklet will tie together the historic purpose of the building and its current building number, as well as the year that it was built and the location where the building stands. So if our listeners are interested in learning more, just go to NorthOmahaHistory.com, look under uh, books, and you will see the history, the North Omaha History Guide to Fort Omaha, free, available free right there on the website right now. And that's a little bit about the history of Fort Omaha. Thanks for listening to the North Omaha History Podcast with noted author and historian Adam Fletcher Sassy. Join us next week as Adam takes you on another guided tour through Omaha's dynamic past. The North Omaha History Podcast is available on your favorite podcatcher, including Stitcher, iTunes, and Podcast Republic, Google Play Music, and tune in.